0: couple housekeeping things uh, real quick. My wife, Marcy, wanted to let me know. Since we kind of started a new children's programming today, uh, we moved the classroom over to the library, and it's K through six, and so if your child is K through six, you now need to go, and I think the word was claim them, bring your claim ticket, pick them up. It's at the library. You can't just renew your ticket. You've got to actually pick them up. I tried to put, tell a joke they're not good. But, um, so after the service, uh, just to let you know, that's uh, kind of a new system uh, that we've, uh, we have in places you actually do need to go and check them out of the library. So uh, if you want to open up to Matthew chapter 6, I want to start with this passage found in verse 5. And this passage is found within the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching on prayer. And he says this, and when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what you've done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray... Our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Lord, today as we look at this passage on prayer, we start with prayer. We start communing with you, and we would just ask that you would speak to us today. Lord, as we start this new year, you would help us to turn our heart, our focus, our mind to you. So, open us up today, Lord. Teach us what you need to teach us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So, Albert Einstein, towards the end of his life, uh, moved over to the United States, got over uh, out of hostile Europe, and settled in Princeton, New Jersey. And as he was at Princeton, New Jersey, he ended up kind of working for the Institute of Advanced Studies, And uh, one day he was teaching a class and a doctoral student from Princeton came up to him with a question. They asked Albert Einstein, uh, what is there left in the world for original dissertation research? That was the question. (coughs) What is left in the world for original dissertation research? Like everything's been studied. If you could start over and study something, what would you study? What needs to be researched? And Einstein looked at this doctoral student and said, Somebody needs to find out about prayer. Somebody needs to research prayer. Albert Einstein, this great scientific mind, said, here's the mystery that needs to be researched. Prayer. Prayer. For this new year, we want to start with uh, a word. Sometimes you have a word that you you start for the year. Um, Maybe it's like thriving or flourishing or surviving. I don't know what it is, but... But for us, we want to start with this word for for 2018, and the word is focus. And it's it's focus specifically on our relationship with God through prayer, a prayer focus. A prayer focus aligns our heart with God. And as we start 2018, as a community, as families, and as individuals, we want to align our hearts with God. So we start with this idea of focusing on God through prayer. We live in a very busy, fragmented, distracted culture, and sometimes this is hard to do. Prayer can be one of the easiest things to do in the world. It can be one of the hardest things to do. And as a pastor, I can tell you, I don't know how prayer works, but I know that prayer works. And we want to encourage, as a community, to pray, to spend time significantly this year focusing in on prayer. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at, look at prayer, and we're going to look at this prayer that Jesus prayed, that t- Jesus teaches us to pray. I want to start with the question is, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? I mean, if we think about what prayer is, this is communication with the living God, this infinite being who has created us, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and we have access to him through prayer. Why don't we do it more often? You might say, I don't know how to pray. I think that's fair. I mean, how is it that we commune with such a powerful being as God? I don't know how to pray. Maybe you don't think it matters. You're not sure that prayer matters, and so why do it? The way life works out, there's fate. Everything plays out anyway, so why would I actually spend time praying? I remember I uh, went to a small Christian school for middle school, and we had a home ec teacher, and uh, she was one of those prayers, a prayer warriors. She's always praying. She pray about everything. I remember one time I was sewing shorts because it was a home ec class. I was trying to learn how to make my own shorts. That didn't have a prayer about it, by the way. That was like the only C I got in all of middle school. I uh, was home ec, but I was and I dropped my needle as I was sewing my hand, this ancient form of clothing making. Um, and I remember she stopped the whole class and we prayed for the needle. And I remember thinking, like, do we really need to pray for this? Like, does this, does this matter? Like, is this something this small that we can't find the needle, something that we need to stop the whole class and pray for? I mean, what does prayer do? Does prayer matter? Are things insignificant too insignificant for prayer? Maybe we think prayer's boring. Maybe we think prayer is something that I just, I'm moving too quickly to do. I don't have time to pray. Someone that I follow on Twitter the other day posted this, and I thought it was true, that they, we live in this age where I can sit in front of Netflix and watch show after show for an hour and a half, but I can't sit for 10 minutes in silence and pray to God. What is it that's so boring about it? Why can't we stop? Why can't we slow down? I was thinking about my own prayer life and, you know, writing out in a prayer journal, and I'm, and the other day I... I I knew I needed to pray, and I thought, well, that sounds exhausting. And then I thought to myself, why does that sound exhausting? I just lay there. I don't even do anything. Maybe we don't pray because we don't have the capacity to focus for that long. We think it's boring. Or maybe we're just too busy. We're just moving too quickly. We hop from one task to another. Our minds are constantly spinning. There's too many things to do. There's not enough time in the day. So we don't carve out time in our life to pray. The old Pastor Bill Hybels has that axiom that we're too busy not to pray. Because we're busy, this is why we should pray. we go back to that first question, maybe we don't know how to pray. Um, And I think that's fair depending on upbringing. When you think about kind of what, what prayer actually is. But Jesus teaches us to pray. He gives instructions on how to do it. He lays it out, and in this passage that we just looked at, he talks about prayer, and he says, here are things that you don't need to do, but when you do pray, do this. And this Lord's Prayer that we that we read, that we heard, is something that we're familiar with. We, heard, even if we didn't grow up around the church, we're familiar with this prayer. There's a cadence to it. There's words uh, that, that bring about a nostalgia when we hear this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But when we look at, just phrase by phrase, as Jesus teaches us to pray, I think there's something significant within the details of this prayer. And the prayer starts out like this. Jesus says, when you pray, say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. First word in this prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray is our. It's a communal word. It's a word that reminds us that prayer starts with us thinking not just of ourselves, but there's this otherness to it. And even though we have this this God that is personal, that is meeting us on this personal level, Jesus says, when we pray, let us be reminded that we are a part of something bigger. There's a community. There's more than us. And we approach God with this word, our. There's a communal aspect to when we pray one of those small details that I think is significant as Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, start with the word our. Then he moves into father, this title that he has for God. As we see throughout chapter six, he constantly is calling God father. In fact, this word father is used over 250 times in the New Testament describing God, this heavenly father, this metaphor of what God is like in relationship to us. And I think that's significant when you consider who God is, what God is like. He's authoritative, yet loving. He's titled, and yet personal. There's this old Roman story that takes place where this emperor wins a couple of huge victories, and he comes home to Rome, and they throw a triumph for him. You know anything about history, you know that these are these massive parades where they celebrate the victories of their legions, the victories of their leaders. And this emperor was parading through the city of Rome, this this great show of power and strength and might and victory. He's parading on this chariot with these white stallions pulling it, and it's just this huge scene. I always picture, like, you know, Aladdin when he comes in. There's this massive parade going on, this huge show of force. And all of Rome is celebrating. as they're going down the streets in Rome, they come across the emperor's family. His wife and his children are sitting on this platform, just observing everything. And his youngest son decides to run out and see him. And so there's these legionary guards around the emperor, and the son runs out, and he jumps under the legs of the guards to try to get to the emperor. And the legionary guards stop the kid and say, What are you doing? You can't approach the emperor. Don't you know who that is? That's the most powerful man on earth. And the son looks up up at that legionary guard, and he says, he's the emperor to you, but that's my dad. I can approach him. And I love that kind of story and analogy, because when I think about prayer, when I think about what Jesus calls God, this omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty God, he says he is our father. We have access to him through prayer. We can approach God as father, even in the midst of his might, his power, his strength. We approach God as father, as father. The word father might be uh, something that is, brings comfort and peace to you. It might be something that brings unease, discomfort. All of us have dads. Now that I am a dad of four children, been a part of this church for three years now, keep having children, Uh, I'm very aware of just kind of my inadequacy as a father, constantly. Over Christmas, Marcy and I were looking at some different parenting books as our oldest daughter, Sophia, is 10, going on 16, trying to figure out how do we parent this child that's growing up so quickly, and constantly realizing, like, wow, we are in over our heads. And I think about, like, my inadequacy of a father just yesterday, like, I trying to have this great day with the kids at home. I've got work that I'm trying to get done, but so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna wake up, I'm gonna go and get them donuts, I'm gonna come home and be the hero. So do that, drive out, grab some donuts, come home. They're all celebrating, they're excited, it's happy. Spend some time with them in the morning. Uh, Marcy ends up making this wonderful lunch. We think, oh, this is going, this is just a great, more, it's a great day, we're home with the kids. We're rockstar parents, it's going well. And after we make them lunch, I decide to make myself some nachos. So, grab some tortilla chips, bring out some cheese, and I like my snacks. And I sit down, after they're done with lunch, and I'm eating my nachos, and my daughter Sophia comes up and just starts eating chips off my plate. And I usually, I'm usually the one that does this, so I'm usually like, don't care. But I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I wanted some chips. And I'm like, your mom just made you lunch. This is my lunch. And she says, I know, I just wanted a chip. And she grabbed, there's always like one nacho on the plate that has like perfect cheese on it. You know, like (laughs) she grabbed that one. And I go, put it back. (laughs) I said, you can have a different chip, but put that one back. And we had this like interaction. And then afterwards, I'm like, did that just happen? Like who, what in the world? Like why would I, it's my 10-year-old daughter. Why would I not want her to have the best chip? Like I, I'm like such a jerk dad. Like what? And and maybe you're like real picky about food, so you're like, oh, I totally get it. And maybe you're like, wow. But I was just thinking about like, I'm so, glad God, I'm so glad God's not like that. Right? As a father, as this God who loves us and wants what is best for us, I'm glad he doesn't say, you can't have that ship. That's mine. I worked for that. I made it. Your mom made you lunch over there. Go eat. Like, that's not how God treats us. And I'm so thankful for that. There's this great passage in Matthew chapter 7, that talks about this idea of asking and seeking and prayer. And we come to God and it says in verse 9, Which of you, if his son asks for a bread, gives him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if your daughter asks for a chip, you give her the bad one. (laughs) If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You start to think about this. Idea of God as metaphor. And you think about like all of our broken human fathers. But this is this perfectly heavenly father that wants what's best for us. And knows what's best for us more than what we know. But desires to give us life. And Jesus says, come to him in prayer. And you start with our father. Our father. This realization the other day when I prayed. And how often I forget to pray or I'm too busy to pray or too bored to pray, that I think this Heavenly Father we have is more willing to answer our prayers than we are even willing to come to him in prayer. And I think that his answers have a perfect understanding of what we truly need, and there's timing, and there's things that he knows that we don't need. But I think we have this God who is this Heavenly Father that just desires to give us life more so than we even are willing to ask for it from him. Jesus says when we come to him in prayer, we approach this powerful God who loves us so much we can call him Father. And then goes on to say, our Father who art in heaven, who art in heaven, our Father who is in heaven. And when we first kind of think of that, we think there's this, there's this distance between us. There's this other realm. There's this, he's up in heaven. Then what we, what we read about heaven throughout scripture is this idea that we catch glimpses of it here and now. And heaven is this place where everything happens according to how God wants it. There's this shalom. There's this peace. There's this place of, of, of final restoration of heaven. And this is where our heavenly father resides. This place of perfection, of healing, of hope. And we're reminded that as we pray, God is on his throne. He's sovereign. These old prophets in the Old Testament used to have a way of saying this. They would say, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth be silent. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth Be silent. And as we come to our God in prayer, what this does is it centers us. It reminds us that even though we live in this world that is chaotic and busy and things aren't always going as we want, we have this heavenly Father that is in this place where he's sovereign over our lives. We catch glimpses of this heaven here and now. It's a stabilizing force for us in this world. In fact, we we tap into this power as we come to God in prayer. Prayer is such a, a small and simple thing, and yet we're communing with the God of heaven. The God of heaven. I think this does a couple things for us. One is that it brings stability to our life when we pray. And when we pray, there's sometimes times where we, we want God to intervene to change our circumstances, but these kind of prayers change us and our hearts in the midst of circumstances. It brings us a peace that passes understanding. It brings us a joy that doesn't depend on happenstance. When we commune with our Heavenly Father. We're in touch with the characteristics of heaven. It sets our eyes on something eternal, not something temporary. love that. This quote from George Marshall after World War II, the chief of staff of the United States Army. I mean, he's kind of working with Europe, putting Europe back together after the shambles of the war, trying to uh, figure out how to move forward with uh, the countries there. He says these words I think are true. He says, We must stop setting our sights by the light of each passing ship. Instead, we must set our course by the stars. He's talking about this idea of how we, we get so caught up with the here and now, how quickly earth is moving, and we forget to set our sights on things that are eternal, things that don't move. I think prayer has a tendency to do this in our lives. We stop just focusing on the temporary. We set our sights on things that are unshakable, which is God in heaven. Prayer starts with this communal... Cry to God, our Father. And it's this reminder that He's sovereign in heaven. We start our prayer with this. And the next line is this: Hallowed be thy name. If you're King James, thy name. Or, or holy is your name. It's this exaltation, this, this praise to God for who He is. And what we find in this opening line: Our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. There hasn't been a request made yet in this prayer. As Jesus teaches us to prayer, the first part of prayer is simply communing with God, our Father. It's reminding us who God is. Reminding us who God is in our life. Prayer begins with God, not with us. And what I would say is, I think it's what what Jesus is reminding us here is that it's it's more important to know who we're praying to than what we are praying about. When we come to God in prayer, it's more important who even than what. And the what is important, and we get to that. But we start with who, our Heavenly Father, who is holy, who is in heaven. That's where prayer starts. I love what the New Testament scholar William Barclay says. He says, all other things can take their proper place, when God is given his proper place in our lives. Prayer has a way of putting God back in the center of who we are. It brings us back. We start 2018 with this focus on prayer because I believe that prayer is fundamental to us as followers of Jesus. Prayer is how we abide In Christ, John 15 says, without that, there's nothing that we can do. Our walk with God starts with this focus and this prioritization of our schedule around communing with God, our Heavenly Father. We give you journals today. One of the most, and I show this all the time, uh, one of the most important things I think that happened to me last year was someone gave me a prayer journal. And it was just a... uh, Uh, what is it, a moleskin cover journal that had the Suns logo on it, so I knew it was a good journal. And I just spent the year writing out my prayers, just abiding in Christ. And it was amazing to look back over 2017 to see all the ways that God shows up through prayer. And here's the challenge today. Whether it's with this journal that we give you but to write out your prayers, to spend 2018 focused on this communion with God. That you would spend each day in prayer with him. That you would start each day centering your life around this God who is our Father who is in heaven. And maybe, maybe that's new to you. Maybe you've never called God Father. And today you need to start. Maybe you haven't called God Father in a long time. and Today you need to be returned to this moment where you are communing with this Heavenly Father. I don't know where you are in your journey, but the invitation today is to pray. Is to pray. We're going to spend some time in prayer as we close today. Um, the man's going to come back up and close us with a song. But as we get ready to spend some time reflecting in prayer, I wanted to start with a communal prayer. And I had a um, last week was a, was at a funeral and uh, some of you know Gabe and Lauren Sly, they just went through a recent tragedy. Uh, Gabe lost his brother unexpectedly a few weeks ago and uh, met with the family and was kind of hearing the story. And uh, Gabe's brother said as we were kind of planning the funeral, he said, one thing that I would really like to happen in this funeral is for the Lord's prayer to be read. And in the midst of this tragic moment, we had this, I would say this holy moment with this group of people who were gathered from all sorts of different backgrounds, where we read this prayer together at the funeral. I thought there's great power in this prayer. It's a simple prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray, and yet it's something that happens when community comes together and we express these words. And so in a moment, I want us to stand and recite that. And then after the prayer, after we we say it together, spend some time in silence and reflecting in prayer. And just be open to what God has. I think we have different burdens today. I think we have different things that are hurting, things that are heavy. But let's just be focused today on God being our Father in heaven. And then when you're ready, we have communion prepared for you today. We We have uh, communion where we we invite you to the table to partake in the elements. The elements represent God is with us. We take a piece of bread that represents, represents the body of Christ that came here on earth and was broken for us on the cross. And we take juice that represents the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross for us. This great sign of God's love, that he lived and died and conquered death so that we may have life eternal. When you're ready today, move to communion and remember what God has done. And then Tim will dismiss us after some time in worship. If we could stand, church, if you could join me in these words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one, amen Lord we thank you so much for this gift of prayer it is a gift Lord that you would see us in our circumstances that you would see us in the midst of our how fragile we are, how broken we are and you invite us to come to you as a father. You invite us to call you Dad. We know that you uh, desire the best for your people, Lord. I pray today that we would experience your goodness. That your kingdom would come in our lives. We give you this time, Lord. In your sons, and we pray. Amen. Spend some time reflecting and singing and then. When you're ready, move to communion.